Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Corcoran Entertainment Show. I'm your host, Frankie Corcoran, and uh, here we are coming at you today <clears throat> uh, with a uh, less sick podcast. Um, yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling better now, um, but at the time of this recording, it's funny. It literally it always hits me at about ten o'clock at night, so I'm like, yeah, I feel pretty damn good. Like I feel pretty good, and then and then, and then as soon as I say that, I'm just like. <clears throat> so as it currently stands, I feel great. Um, but uh, anyways, we'll see how quickly that changes. Enough about me and my sicknesses. Uh, <laughs> that just that's just my shitty luck. Um, so today's uh, episode, uh, super excited about uh, today's guest today. Uh, today we are being joined by the mayor himself, uh, Adam Lorden. Um, and for those of you guys who actually don't know, um, uh, the mayor, being the mayor isn't actually um, his full-time job. His full-time job is uh, producing. He's a producer, director, writer uh, for TV, and now he's an actor. You can catch his uh, upcoming series, uh, Mamrishi-based sitcom Brit Out of Water, starring James Mullinger, Judy Loge, and Adam Lorden. It uh, premieres on Bell 5 TV uh, March 25th, uh, this coming Friday. Uh, yeah, all six episodes uh, will be streaming. Um, he's going to chat a little bit about that with us today. And uh, I actually had the privilege to see some of the filming be done for uh, Brit Out of Water. Super excited to uh, see the show and see how it turned out and everything. Uh, did a little bit of extra work on it. Um, and just, it, it's so it's so cool to be able to see at how TV is made. You know, you're so used to watching TV shows and... Um, it's just so great to see it in action. Uh, so, yep, Adam's going to talk a little bit about uh, that at length. And uh, later in the show, I'm going to be... Uh, you, you guys will notice that this uh, episode is called An Episode About Episodes. And that's true, because first we're going to be talking about, you know, uh, a TV show that's coming out, Bird Out of Water, which has episodes. Uh, <laughs> and then I'm going to be giving my um, top five favorite TV episodes of all time which was a killer list because I actually like doing these top five lists because of course I did the top five favorite actors last time and uh, I thought I'd do it for the TV one and holy god these lists are so hard to make um I literally spent hours just like okay I want this in here no I got to take that out so I will have some honorable mentions but and then we're going to be giving our thoughts on, or I'm going to be giving my thoughts on uh, the whole situation. Uh, Jeremy Renner, after his uh, near-fatal uh, snowplow accident, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. And uh, yep, so without further ado, guys, uh, enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Corcoran Entertainment Show. I'm your host, Frankie Corcoran, and today I am joined by the jack of all trades, uh, Adam Lorden. Not only is he the mayor of Miramichi, but he is also a producer, director, writer, actor, whose uh, newest project, uh, Brit Out of Water, is uh, set to be released on Bell 5 TV this Saturday, March 25th. Adam, how's it going? The very best, Frankie. How are you? It's so uh, good to be here with you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, I feel great. I'm very excited that 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 uh, you know it feels like yesterday that it was announced. Yeah, there's a sitcom that they're going to be filming here in Miramichi, and then now here we are. It's coming out uh, Friday and uh, or or Saturday. Sorry, uh, the premiere is Friday. Um, is there a little bit of um, 
be, uh, because obviously I know that this has been something you guys have been working on forever. So is there kind of like a, I can't believe this is happening. Like you, you, you kind of look like it feels like one second, like we were just talking about doing a show and then now here we are. Like, how does it feel? Well, you know, it, it's an exciting moment and, you know, everything's been delivered now to Val. So all the episodes are completely done. Um, we have six episodes of the show. They'll each be about 12 to 15 minutes long. Uh, and I'm really pleased with it. You know, I, I guess as the co-creator, as the director, producer, um, you know, and with all the hats, I'm, I'm really pleased with how it's come together. And, um, you know, with every project, uh, I tend at the final stages of editing, um, I tend to get to this point where it's like, I just want this done get, get it away from me. And, <laughs> and, and so that happened a few weeks ago. Uh, and now that it's been delivered and we've had a moment, I'm just getting really, really excited for the show to come out. Certainly for, you know, Saturday for the show to come out and Friday to have this really special premiere event here in Miramichi. Um, so many of the collaborators as including yourself, you know, all of our, many of our extras who were in the show some of the smaller parts, much of the crew, and of course, all the locations were here in Miramichi. So to be able to really share this special premiere moment with the community uh, and, and have them seeing it before anybody else across the country is really, really exciting. So I can't wait till Friday. Oh, I'm super psyched, super psyched. I will be there. Uh, uh, can't wait to see you there and and uh, just see see how it turned out. I'm super stoked. Uh, you were talking about the Miramichi community. It was so great to see, you know, you would put out casting calls on Facebook and just to see how many people uh, shared it and reached out to you. What was it like just having, because it really was just a big community project, really. Set, you know, sitcom set in Miramichi made by Miramichi kind of thing. So what was it like just seeing all the response from people who were so excited to be part of it? Myself included, actually. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's been incredible from start to finish, Frankie. And, you know, like I, I've been working in, in television and media as a director and producer now for over 15 years. I lived in Toronto for close to a decade, which is where I started in the industry. And I've been home now almost nine years and freelancing and working on different projects since I got back. But most of my career, um, the type of, of work I've worked on, most of the projects aren't almost all of them until this one really are not at home in Miramichi. So really, and in fact, you know, as mayor and around the community, that's probably one of the most common questions I get asked is um, people try to make it polite, but I know what they're getting at, which is like, do you, what do you do? Like, do you have a job <laughs> besides being the mayor? And, and I do, but it's not really conventional, of course, because it's project-based and I love it. But so for me, um, after 15 years doing this, to actually have a project based in Miramichi that we filmed in Miramichi, um, that for me, you know, in the components that I was responsible for really is also sort of a love letter to the quirky characters and that way of life that we have here. Um, it's been a real thrill. And so you're right, like when we were filming last summer, last August, and we needed 75 extras for various scenes throughout the week we were going to be filming. And I put that post up. And we had uh, everybody filled at a waiting list within an hour. It was phenomenal. And that's the Miramichi way, right? You know it. Or the Riversville way, as Miramichi is in this show, Riversville. So <laughs> what was that like, uh, So, uh, um, um, uh, changing it from Miramichi to Riversville? Was there legal reasons behind that? Or what was uh, exactly, or just to kind of make it stand out on its own? Well, you know, there are a number of reasons to do that. Legally, it's a bit easier, of course. but. Also, the show, it's not, 
it, it it's not necessarily meant to be um exactly miramichi so the show you know the premise of the show uh bring out of water is kind of inspired by james's uh, it's a sort of a fake spin on james's real life journey where as a comedian in london uk with his wife who's from new brunswick you know about a decade ago they um had a couple of small kids and decided to make a, a quality of life decision to move back to new brunswick or for james to new brunswick who you know wanted to continue his career in comedy uh well in the show James uh, is a big comedian in, in London who actually sort of runs his mouth about Brexit and ultimately ends up sort of getting canceled and he has to quit comedy and leave the UK. So in our show, it's not necessarily by choice that he comes here. But of course, a lot of James's stand up comedy and what we love about James is that you know, it's love, lovingly playful observations about New Brunswick as a whole and small town life across New Brunswick. So um, the, the Riversville is meant to sort of be an amalgamation of my experiences in Miramichi, but also James's experiences across all any and all small towns in New Brunswick. So, um, you know, it's sort of just this representation of of a more general interpretation of rural New Brunswick. But unquestionably, of course, it's physically located in Miramichi. And for me, in particular, even with some of the cast, uh, it was a real opportunity to incorporate people like you who are involved in, you know, theater and the arts around Miramichi now, but even also from my my life. So John Bosma has a really great small part um, as a as a senior in a nursing home scene. And John was my theater teacher in middle school. You know, Connie and Paul, who we've grown up listening to, are also both in that uh, that seniors uh, nursing home scene. So there were a lot of of people that, you know, to me, are icons of the Miramichi artistic community who we were able to put into the show, which I think is sort of an if you're going to we hope you'll love the show no matter where you're from across Canada and New Brunswick. But I think that there'll be really extra special moments and Easter eggs for people, of course, here from Miramichi. Yes, absolutely. Like to me, it, it it's almost like uh, whenever um, um, I went to go see uh, Come From Away in, in uh, New York and the fact that it takes place in Canada, there was that extra like you could tell in the audience who was who was Canadian and who wasn't because uh, they're making all these references. We're going to go to shoppers and we're going to go here. This and that. All the Canadians are laughing, but all everyone else is like, oh, what's so funny about that? And same deal with this, too. I mean, like, we'll I'll be watching this going. Oh yeah, no, like uh, that's that's down in Chatham. I know, I, I know where that is. Yeah. Oh, I know where that is too. Oh, that's the rod. Like you know, so like it's so. Uh, uh, uh there will be that extra, extra. Uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, uh, there will be an extra uh, a place in my heart, kind of thing, because uh, it'll hit so close to home. Because I'm like, oh yes, I like like I've grown up here. Um, tell me a bit about uh, James, because I, I I had James on the podcast uh, last year. Shout out to you, James. Uh, and fun, hilarious. Oh, my God. He's so he's so funny. And then just getting the opportunity to meet with him and work with him a little bit on this uh, for a short period of time was amazing. But you guys have known each other for years, too. Tell me a bit about your experience with James leading up to this, too, because you guys have been working on this for years now. Is that correct? Yeah, well, James and I have, I guess you could say we've had a creative relationship now for, for a number of years. And James arrived, I guess, in New Brunswick around the same time. I think he got 
here about a year before I came back to New Brunswick, which was around 2014 for me. And sometime a year or two after that, we connected. And, you know, James had started, uh, James and Pam, his wife, had launched the Maritime Edit magazine. And I was so curious about this. I, the magazine was phenomenal, like telling the story of the places and all of the exciting things happening in New Brunswick and across Atlantic Canada. And he came to Miramichi for a comedy show, um, like his show at the Vogue, I think. And, and 2016 is when I first met him. And around that time, he was actually developing another TV show, um, Atlantic Edition, it's called, also for Bell, um, kind of inspired by the magazine where James basically interviews um, innovative, interesting, inspiring Atlantic Canadians that are in the arts or entrepreneurs. And um, we actually just recently wrapped three seasons of that show. So I, I've directed that show. Uh, James hosts it and we co-write that show. He produces it together. So, you know, we've traveled the Maritimes now for the last three years together. And last, I guess, a year and a half ago now, um, the Bell folks, you know, they were starting to pivot what they were interested in for the channel for Bell 5 and getting into scripted content. And I don't know if you're familiar, Frankie, but Jonathan Torrens has done one of these shows called Volleys. Oh, um, uh, J-Rock from Trailer Park Boys. J-Rock, yeah. exactly. So, you know, if you're my age, which is a little older than you, we know him as Jonovision. <laughs> or he was on Mr. D as well, too, I believe. I think, was he? Yep. Yeah. And I think he's recently he's been on uh, Letter Kenny. He just had a spot on um, uh, Moonshine. I think it's a CBC scripted comedy based out of, out of Nova Scotia as well. And uh, oh, OK, great, great actor, really great actor. He's fantastic. And we, we interviewed him on the other show, too. But Mary Walsh from 22 Minutes is doing one of these scripted comedies, The Misses Downstairs out of Newfoundland. So Bell actually approached us and said, we're getting into comedy. Would you guys want to pitch us any ideas for a, a scripted comedy? And we said, yeah, we would. <laughs> so we kind of came up with we came up with a couple of different ideas, but because neither one of us, I've you know, I've got a lot of experience in television. James has a lot of experience in comedy, but not in scripted comedy or a sitcom format. So we really wanted to um, lean into an idea, you know, that old adage of write what you know, right? So uh, something based, you know, loosely on his experience and. And to me, you know, of course, growing up in the small town, and as you know, there are no shortage of quirky characters in Miramichi to be inspired by. So, um, you know, we just kind of came up with this idea. They loved it. And uh, it's all it all came together. So um, it was it really felt very organic. And to me, the part that was new was acting. Um, and that was uh, the part I was the most nervous about leading into the show. Um, but, you know, as the director, I was confident because, I, you know, my character kind of Danny is his name, uh, plays James's quirky neighbor. Uh, who, as soon as James arrives in town and Danny, my character, realizes that James is a former comedian, Danny has great aspirations of being a big time comedy manager. So he's working very hard to get James out of retirement to headline the, the upcoming local Rotary fundraiser so that he, of course, himself can, through James, uh, live out his dreams of grandeur. <laughs> Oh wow! Like that's and and uh, I'm not sure uh, 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 if uh, this is a spoiler territory. But then uh, your character Danny also has his own uh, wine uh, brand uh, as well too. Are we allowed to to talk about that? Or oh, is absolutely! That... Yeah. I mean, okay. I mean, yeah. <laughs> inspired uh, by by true life, um, you know, um, Danny is an, a homemade wine enthusiast. So uh, he does have his own line of homemade wines called Chateau Danny. That, of course, we will see in the show too. 
Um, so, and that, of course, that was a big piece of James's um, stand-up routine for a number of years was his observation about uh, the proliferation of homemade wine around New Brunswick. But I must tell you, it was uh, true for me and easy to be inspired because my mom was one of those homemade wine enthusiasts who very regularly made her own homemade wine. So uh, I uh, I had all of the equipment still in my basement. So from a props perspective, we were set, you know? <laughs> oh, 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 wow. <laughs> that works out perfectly. And then all I got to do is just put your face on it. That's right. That's that right. was the next main thing. Speaking yeah. of uh, mothers, Judy Loge is actually playing your mother, correct? In this one? That that's right. Yeah. So Judy is my plays my mother, Doris. And you know what? People maybe wouldn't know, but I actually grew up down the road, living down the road from Judy. Judy was not a neighbor, but a just down the street neighbor. Um, so, you know, again, sort of growing up in Miramichi, uh, you know, Judy's always been this presence and affiliated with Rotary as long as I've known her. Um, so when we sort of came up with the idea, I knew right away that I wanted Judy to be in the show. And I was really, you know, we wrote everything and, and then I asked her. And so I, you know, I joked that I would have been terribly distraught had she said no, because I wrote the part for her. So I don't know, like, you know, what we, where we would have gone from there. Um, but thankfully she did not say no. And, and she really got it. Like she just understood what the show was and really what we were leaning on, you know, her character and my character. So my, I, my, my character still lives at home with his mom, uh, of course, Doris. So, uh, you know, we're the quirky neighbors. We're we're the schemers of the show, and uh, and it was just a lot, a lot of fun. And and Judy nailed it. Oh my god! And she's such a natural too. Like she's just like 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 on screen and off screen. She's just got so much charisma and so much energy that it's so like. Uh, not rare to see in people, but there's something about her. It's like, oh my God, like, like we need more Judy's in our lives. Like we really do. And she just nailed it. She really nailed it. Um, uh, all the parts uh, that I'd seen um, uh, uh, being on set for that one day. Uh, just, just phenomenal. And, and of course you were phenomenal as well too. And James, you know, obviously hilarious. Uh, just a great crew and a great cast. And uh, I'm just super soaked. Uh, uh, soaked. I'm so excited. I can't even talk. I'm super <laughs> stoked to see just how it turned out and everything. Is there one uh, uh, a sales pitch, I guess uh, you could say for the audience, why they should watch the show? Uh, anything that uh, you can uh, plug? <laughs> I'll be shameless in uh, rolling off a few, Frankie. I want to acknowledge um, Catherine Carnes is a wonderful comedian out of Prince Edward Island. Uh, she was the sort of the fourth of the primary four cast members. So she plays James's wife, Sam, uh, based on, of course, again, loosely on his real wife, Pam, who's also lovely. Uh, acknowledging as well, sort of the villain of uh, of the series are that what we who we call the the New Brunswick comedy mafia. So Jimmy McKinley, <laughs> Jimmy McKinley, uh, a local, of course, well known comedian from here in Miramichi, is. Uh, one of the the mafia members, along with uh, Corey Hartland, originally from Miramichi as well, I believe. Uh, Nikki Payne, who you might remember from Much Music, uh, and Derek Sagan, of course, a well known comedian out of uh, Montreal, is sort of the ringleader of the mafia. So they're the villains who are the you know the stalwart uh, Riversville comedians who don't take very kindly to a new comedian being on the block. Uh, but I would say, you know, for us, the show, what we wanted to do, especially, you know, as we sort of came up with the idea during the pandemic and 
and with things that are everything's going on in the world we really just wanted to make a fun silly lighthearted show um you know something that you could sit down with your family and just enjoy a few laughs so you know there are i think there are a couple of really important universal messages in the show too about welcoming people but really it's just a lot of silliness and fun and i think people will really enjoy it so um you know we'll we'll hope that people will tune into bell five anytime after saturday you can go to the on demand it's channel 100 check it out and let us know what you think too um because we're really really pleased with the, how everything came together the world that's been created and and who knows if it goes well hopefully we'll be able to uh go back to riversville for a second season in the future but uh yeah i think that you know if people are just looking uh anytime we can see ourselves reflected um i consider it a love letter to new brunswick really i do um and it's just a good bit of silly fun and i hope people will uh will enjoy it and and take that uh that out of it as well well 100 100 very well put actually that was very very well put uh and it's so crazy it's almost surreal almost because for years like you know i've been saying like oh my god like they're like uh, how fun would that be to have some sort of tv show or movie or something like that to be filmed here and then here we are now it's finally happened and it's crazy that we're finally going to get to see how it all came together very very soon and uh the original title was uh mb rexit correct that was it was changed to brit out of water right and Brexit, yeah. And Brexit was sort of a sort of a play on on uh, on words for Brexit, which we which is a great title too. It works a little bit better, maybe visually. So, um, Brit out of water was uh, you know sort of our pivoted to in the last couple of months, but I think that actually does a really good job of describing what the show is as well. And uh, yeah, I mean we're we're excited. And to your point, Frankie, like I, as we were filming, people were telling me that there was some sort of a I think a TV movie was filmed here like in the 80s or 90s was the last time that people could remember something being filmed and that that they would share with me and and I mean to uh, Jimmy McKinley's working on another uh show for Bell I believe that will be filmed here later in the summer um you know we we know that we're well known Miramichi is for storytellers and for music but I you know I think if we're quickly becoming a hotbed for comedy and TV as well then that's just a great thing for Miramichi and we just a cherry on top. We've got the talented people. So it's great that we've got the opportunity now to be making art right here at home. Yes, 100%. I completely agree. Completely agree. Uh, Adam, congratulations on all the success. Like, uh, I, I'm just so happy with how well everything came together. This dream finally came to fruition. And I'm so excited to see, see uh, uh, how it turned out on Friday. Uh, uh, and, and then of course, Saturday, I will be tuning into the, uh, remainder of the episodes as well too. Uh, and so, uh, thank you for coming on today and, uh, just very much, uh, looking forward to, to, to a seeing, uh, M or almost said MB Rexit, uh, Brit out of water. I was calling it MB Rexit forever. So Brit out of water. I cannot wait to see it. Well, I can't wait for you to see it either, Frankie. I guess we'll see you Friday night and, uh, who knows where we'll go from there. Thank you, by the way, for having me. Yes, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. So thank you, Adam, for coming on, guys. Be sure to check out Brit Out of Water. Uh, it will be streaming on Bell 5 TV uh, this Saturday, March 25th. And uh, we will take a quick break and we will be back shortly.
Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Corkner Entertainment Show. That was uh, Adam Lorden uh, discussing Brit at a Water. Again, you guys can check that on Bell 5 TV this Saturday, uh, March 25th. And so, um, yeah, so moving on to our uh, first uh, main discussion topic today with me rambling, going on about, uh, you know, my own anything going on with entertainment. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I wanted to do a list my top five favorite TV episodes. Now, like, much like the one with the actors, this one was damn near impossible to do because there's so many. Like, I've seen so much TV over the last few years. The last few years. Hell, hell my whole life, really. <laughs> my whole life. Uh, so, it's so hard when you're like, what's the best episode? And you're like, oh, shit. You're like, I want to... Oh, this one here. Oh, no. But, like, this one here, like, it, it was just a little bit... So... Long story short, it was damn near impossible to make this list, but I ended up making it. Uh, I managed to uh, I managed to put something together, and so here we are. Uh, <laughs> so um, first, I'm gonna start off with some honorable mentions because there are so friggin' many uh, shows that uh, have so many damn good episodes. But if you're only putting five on there, it's like damn it, how are you gonna you know that's that's damn near impossible. So. Honorable mentions, uh, two from Better Call Saul, uh, season one, episode six, uh, five all. That was, of course, the Mike Armitrout uh, centric episode. At one time, that was on that 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 would have been on my top five list because I think that was like the best episode of the series. Um, but throughout over time, it was only in season one. We've had we had six seasons later, so it was bound to get bumped off. So unfortunately, I wanted to throw it on here. I was just I struggled to find a place for it, and I couldn't find it. So, but I definitely, if I were to do a top ten, that would be number six. Um, and then also from uh, Better Call Saul, um, season six, episode eight, point and shoot. Um, that was one I. I still remember the first time I watched it was just eyes glued, uh, anxiety, just unbelievable. Try to find a spot for it on the list and I just couldn't find it. So that if I were to do a top 10, seven or eight, you know, so <laughs> I guess in a way I, I am doing a top 10 list, but I won't bother, uh, uh, saying where I'd rank them in that case then. Cause now I'm like, Oh, I should have just did a top 10 list. Um, so, uh, and then another, uh, honorable mention is, uh, what was at the time, my favorite episode of Bojack Horseman, uh, season four, episode six, uh, which is called piece of shit. Um, just for the simple reason uh, why the episode is so good is because of how relatable it is. Uh, having suffered from anxiety for years and still do suffer suffer from anxiety. Um, the episode just hit so close to home. And uh, just, I wanted to put it somewhere on here. I just couldn't find a spot. But uh, it is what it is. That's <laughs> the sacrifices you can make when you're doing a top 10 list. Or top 5 list, sorry. And uh, of course... Um, Last uh, but not least is uh, Fear the Walking Dead Season 3 Episode 4 100. Uh, I think this episode is spectacular. Um, for an, an all, it, it's an all Spanish episode. It's all in subtitles and everything. Um, it follows probably the best character, one of the best characters in the entire Walking Dead universe, uh, Daniel Salazar. Uh, and I just think it's the best, like my, with by far my favorite episode of Fear the Walking Dead. Period. Uh, the show has just um, had so many ups and downs uh, since season three, um, but uh, definitely that was uh, one of the few times where I, I was questioning, like, shit, is Fear better than the original Walking Dead? And then you see seasons four, five, six, and seven, you're like, oh fuck, no, no it's not. <laughs> so. 
those are my honorable mentions. Let's just delve right into the list. So ranking in number five. Number five is going to be uh, Walking Dead, uh, season 10, episode 22, Here's Negan. Wow, I, 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 I still can't, can't get over. Um, this was, of course, the third half of season 10, and this was, they weren't, um, uh, these, uh, uh, the third half of season 10, these were filmed during COVID. So originally, well, season 10 was just going to be just two parts, like uh, two, um, two eight episode uh, uh, seasons, like halves. And um, because of COVID and the, it, it, and season 11 was delayed and everything, they ended up uh, tacking on an additional six episodes to season 10, which they outright said they weren't, they're not going to be the very best just because of COVID and they want to give us something. And so, uh, so going in, I said, okay, yeah, I understand that. And so, um, some of them weren't good. Some of them, one of them were by far, obviously it's on this list. Here's Negan. Uh, they're saying, oh, you know, like they might not be the best cause it was filmed during COVID. And then all of a sudden they give probably my opinion, the best episode of the series. Um, for, for a long, long time, it was, um, um, I, I, I can't remember. It, it was in season four. I remember that, um, when the governor, attacks the prison spoiler alert by the way for walking dead um when the governor attacks the prison um that was for years that was my favorite episode and i said nothing's ever going to top that even if the final season i said i don't i don't i don't see the series finale top on that i don't see anything topping it and here's negan i think it's just because i'm such a fan of negan as a character and just the arc that he's went on and I think his backstory was something that was that had to be told at some point. It was just a matter of when they were going to tell it, and how they did it. How you know from Jeffrey D. Morgan's performance, and, and 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 not only that, they gave they actually brought in his real life wife, Hillary Burton Morgan, to play Negan's wife, uh, uh, Lucille, and it was just oh, it was amazingly acted. You just felt the chemistry. Um, just oozed out of the screen. It was just unbelievably good, and. Um, one of the few moments that actually like got me like on tv uh not like crying but like you know like oh geez this is pretty impactful was uh that moment in the episode where negan finds lucille dead just gut-wrenching moment um definitely still like like that's probably one of the best moments i've ever seen um and so that really solidified because I, I mean, I knew I was like going into it. I said, I know here's Negan. Like it's an episode that I was really looking forward to, but I just don't think everything, anything's ever going to top too far gone. And, um, here's Negan came and I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. Too far gone. It was just something about here's Negan. It was just so masterfully done, uh, that I'm, I'm like, yeah, this, this is very easily my favorite episode of the walking dead. Um, and, uh, you know, I give the spinoffs a lot of shit. Like, I'm not really interested in seeing the spinoffs. But if if Jeffrey D. Morgan and Negan weren't in Dead City, I probably wouldn't be interested in it. That's probably the only reason I'm interested in watching it. Um, I'm definitely going to check it out uh, out of curiosity uh, regardless. But uh, anyways, yeah. So, Jeffrey D. Morgan, remarkable performance he gave also uh by his wife and just everybody in general in, in the episode the script was amazing and um i think even down the line there is some room for a negan prequel like miniseries i think because god if they did this for a whole series i'd watch it you know like a whole like like e even if it was just one or two seasons of negan building the saviors because we didn't actually see that part we just saw up to where lucille died and when he got the leather jacket and the lucille baseball bat and you know, the rest is kind of left up to our, our interpretation. Like, you know, maybe we could get, you know, uh, 
some of the old saviors coming back like you know steven Ogg. uh i'd love to see him come back in that role because uh it's fuck it steven Ogg. <laughs> how, how, how can you not what, what else is there to say about that so anywho so number five here's negan the walking dead season 10 episode 22 uh number four number four is going to be uh breaking bad season four episode 13 face off uh i think at one point this probably was my number one at some point it had to be um this of course was the episode in breaking bad where it's the big culmination between walt and gus their cat and mouse game that was going on all season finally coming to a finish and this was the episode for me i mean obviously breaking bad had so many amazing episodes before then that made me say holy shit this is amazing this was the episode where i said this is the best show on tv uh face off it's just on like the build-up and 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 uh of course we see um you know gus and hector's rivalry finally going to come to an end and it has an even bigger impact when you see their history on better call saul which better call saul is just another it 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 it, uh, really helps it helps add some more uh impact to that um so um and then of course gus's death and uh, Walt and Jesse destroying the lab, which, of course, after Better Call Saul, I'll get to this later. Uh, you know, seeing that lab now just hit just hits on a completely different level, uh, seeing how it was made. And uh, just, man, like, and then the ending, not to mention that goddamn ending was all beautifully, like, in a way. Well, I mean, like, of course, because, of course, the ending of season four is when we learned that Walt did poison Brock. And the reveal of that and the music and it was, you're like, you're like the music's so eerie and op- yet optimistic. But then we just find out this horrible thing like Walt just poisoned this little kid. Like what? Um, just unreal, man. Face off. Yeah, for me, like it was definitely, it was the episode that solidified Breaking Bad as my favorite f- series, my favorite franchise, just favorite everything like it just breaking bad inspired me in so many different ways uh as a creator myself um <coughs> excuse me so <clears throat> number four face off breaking bad season four episode 13 amazing amazing stuff <clears throat> number three uh number three is uh bojack horseman season six episode 15 the view from halfway down this is the uh, the second last episode the penultimate episode of the entire series and uh what a roller coaster of emotion well, well first of all what a roller coaster of emotions the whole uh series was like really uh the series was just holy lord like to be honest i i didn't watch the i mean i bit every time a season of bojack horseman will come up i would binge like the entire season in like one day but when um i watched up until i didn't watch the view from halfway down yet so i i i got to the third last episode and i had to watch it the next day i had time i was like i just need to process this like holy shit the final season of bojack horseman was just brutal and um this episode here was without a doubt the best animated episode of television i think that's ever been created um yeah just hell <laughs> i think it's one of the highest uh, uh ranked episodes on imdb if i'm not mistaken um which deservedly so man that episode rules oh my god like like i just there's so many i i i could just go on for hours about how uh beyond incredible that episode was um between all the symbolism they bring all the characters back um and uh um 
all the characters who had died, like, you know, like Sarah Lynn, they got Herb, and uh, Bojack's just basically coming to terms with everything that's led him up to this point. And uh, we th Bojack thinks, like, oh, you know, once they wake up, this is just a dream. It's like, no, no, we actually find out that Bojack is dying. Like, um, even the dinner, there's all these subtle hints th throughout the 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 dinner. I mean, they're having Herb died uh, from a peanut allergy, so he's eating peanuts at the dinner table. And then, of course, uh, Sarah Lynn... Her last meal was uh, fast food, so she's eating fast food. Bojack for his water. Uh, Bojack has pills and he has uh, water, chlorine water at that, because he's drowning, and um, it's just unbelievably well done. And then of course the iconic moment, um, which his I, I actually made a TikTok of it too. Um, it's a famous TikTok trend as well. Um, the oh Bojack, no, there is no other side. This is it. Uh, so. God, man, like, without a doubt, the best animated series ever made, um, in my opinion, um, the best, just unbelievable, I have, like, I could sit here for hours, I think we did, we did talk about for, uh, the BoJack Horseman for, like, just what an amazing show, like, for, for a whole episode, we just talked about how amazing it was, uh, so, Alright, so yeah, so The View from Halfway Down, BoJack Horseman, Season 6, Episode 15, the second last episode. God damn, that was brutal. That's too much, man. Um, so number two, we're in the top two now. Number two is going to be Better Call Saul, Season 6, Episode 7, Plan and Execution. Uh, and if you're a Better Call Saul fan, all you need to know is uh, this was the big uh, Howard episode where we um, probably... The, the most impactful death for me personally on television was, of course, Howard Hamlin. Uh, I literally froze. I legit froze when this when 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 they aired that. Oh, my God. I will never forget that. Um, so, of course, you know, just to recap, in case you guys are listening to this and you don't know, like, what's what's this big deal with this episode here? Well, this was the big episode. Uh, Jimmy and Kim, they put their big plan into motion. They're going to... Um, uh, they have to do the reshoot of the photos because they're uh, they want the standpiper mediator. You guys, for for those of you guys who don't watch Better Call Saul, probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But basically, the long and short of it is, um, uh, Jimmy Saul Goodman and Kim and his wife they're going to be uh, they're 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 putting the final steps into their plan to screw over their former boss Howard, um, into forcing a early settlement to this case that would grant them a pretty darn chunk of change. And, uh, of course it goes well, according to plan, uh, Howard, you know, he, he you know, he'll be, he's his, his, uh, reputation is a little torched, but he's optimistic that he'll get back on his feet. But then of course that's cut short when, uh, enter Lalo Salamanca blows his brains out, uh, cause he needs Jimmy and Kim's help. Uh, damn man. Like, holy shit. I just, I like what a tragic character though, too. Um, and of course I mentioned it in, uh, my honorable mentions, uh, what was it? Point and shoot. Yeah. Season six, episode eight point and shoot was an honorable mention. That was the episode that followed where of course, uh, spoiler alert, Lalo dies and everything. And then Howard and Lalo are buried together. And that's why I, I mentioned that the scenes in bringing about with the lab are so more impactful now because we know Howard and Lalo are buried under there. So it's just, it's better call Saul adds all of this, um, um, 
so much more weight to Breaking Bad, uh, especially just seeing like, you know, you watch Better Call Saul and you're like, oh, I want to see Jimmy succeed, but we know where he ends up in Breaking Bad. And so we know that he's going to be okay, but what's going to happen to Kim and what's going to happen to Howard? And for the longest time, I was hoping Howard was going to make it through and no, he didn't. He just bam, bam, just like that. Um, So yeah, this from start to finish, that episode was just had me glued to the TV. Like my eyes, like I could not take my eyes off the TV. It was unbelievable good. Um, so that's that. Uh, so better call Saul season six, episode seven, plan execution number two. And number one, uh, is a no brainer for me. And I think I've mentioned this before on some of my other ones when I talked about breaking bad, but, uh, season five, episode 14 of breaking bad, Ozymandias, um, widely regarded as probably the greatest episode of television ever produced. Um, at least one of them, IMDb, I think it's, I, I could be mistaken, do I have that on here right now, I think it's like, the highest rated episode, if I am not mistaken, I want to see Ozymandias, IMDb, um, perfect 10 out of 10, yeah, so, just, if you're a fan of Breaking Bad, you know, this is the episode where basically shit hits the fan, you know, Walt gets discovered, uh, Hank dies right in front of him, Jesse gets taken by the neo-Nazis, uh, need I say more? Like, this is the episode where it was just five seasons of build-up. Um, I remember watching this. It's it's crazy because, yeah, 2013. Uh, now we're in 2023. Ten years ago, I still remember watching this. I still remember the wait for this episode because the previous episode ended with that cliffhanger. Um, never forget it, man. I will never forget experiencing Ozymandias. I feel so bad for the people who did not watch Breaking Bad Live and did not get to experience this episode when it was released. Um, it just had this different feeling to it. It really did, and um, just, yeah, I mean, like, of course, with the streaming and everything, people are like, oh, I'm glad I didn't have to wait to see that cliffhanger resolve itself, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah must have been nice, asshole. <laughs> really must have been nice. Um, so, yeah, um, for those of you guys who know me, you guys are probably like, oh, of course, you're throwing Breaking Bad and on you know, the top of the list. It's like, well, I mean, like, come on, man. Like, I, I, I say it's my favorite TV show of all time, and Better Call Saul as well, too how <coughs> the way it's a no-brainer what it was going to be um in my opinion so anyways guys so that's my list top five favorite tv episodes number five is um uh here's negan from walking dead number four is uh, uh face off from breaking bad number two is the view from halfway down bojack horseman number two is did i say number two i say number two number three i mean is bojack horseman view from halfway down number two plan execution better call Saul, and number one ozzy mandius breaking bad um i i, t- I talked real fast during this I'm, i was just like zooming through this one um anyways guys uh definitely be sure to let me know your thoughts uh what are your favorite tv episodes uh, of all time definitely be sure to jump on social media let us know your thoughts on that and so now our uh, last discussion topic today is going to be, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Jeremy Renner's uh, potential retirement. Because, of course, this article here comes from DailyMail.com. Uh, it's called, it says, uh, exclusive future of Jeremy Renner's Hollywood career is now thrown into doubt as it's revealed acting is no longer a priority to him in the wake of horrific snowplow accident that left him with 30 more than broken bones. That's actually not not, not not the title of the article. It's uh, Jeremy Renner's uh, Hollywood acting career no longer a priority to him uh, after a snow accident. 
So uh, I'll read the article here. So, well, of course, you guys probably know already what happened. Of course, uh, Jeremy Renner uh, crushed what by a fourteen thousand plow, um, a pound plow, um, basically got destroyed by a tank, uh, which is you know he's <laughs> in a in in the best way possible. How is he still alive? I cannot believe he didn't die. The man is holy shit. Like. Counting his blessings, man. Like, there's some guardian angel watching over him. Like, that's un unbelievable. So, this is what the article says. Uh, Jeremy Renner's Hollywood career has been thrown into serious doubt today as a source close to the star revealed that acting is no longer a priority to him following his horrific snowplow accident. An insider who has recently spent time with Jeremy, 52 years old, tells DailyMail.com exclusively that although he still does love acting, Hollywood just is not a priority to him anymore. According to the source, Jeremy's focuses have shifted away from his on-screen career in the wake of his terrifying New Year's Day accident at his Lake Tahoe home, where he was crushed under a 14,000-pound snowplow, breaking more than 30 bones. Unreal. Um, Jeremy believes that he survived the accident so he can use the, his, his platform to really create change in the world, the insider shared. He is very proud of the work that he has done, but this entire situation has really shown him that there is so much more that he could be doing to help others, the insider says. Um, um, let's see. Jeremy has since returned, or sorry, Jeremy has since left the Lake Tahoe home where the accident occurred and has returned to his Los Angeles property where he is focusing on his recovery, having been left unable to walk as a result of his injury sustained during the accident. Um, uh, the source continued that Jeremy Renner's mother, Valerie, 69 years old, who accompanied him to the 2010 Oscars, has been a tremendous source of support for the star, revealing she has been by his side as much as possible. Um, his mother has come to stay with him most weekends, as well as his daughter, Ava, the friend says, referring to his nine-year-old child with ex-Sony Pochio, I think that's how you say it, or uh, po Pochico. Um, so yeah, so uh, I'm just going down right here. Uh... It's yeah, and then oh man, and this is terrible. It even has the uh, nine one one call. Jeremy Renner moans in pain on nine one one call. Like, listen to it. Uh, it if you want, it's pretty uh, disturbing actually. Uh, so uh, just a fair warning if you do want to take a look at it. Um, so he's currently, you know, he's undergoing uh, rehabilitation, learning to walk again. Um, it, it even says Jer Jeremy knows he is so lucky to be alive. Uh, one hundred percent, man, unbelievable. So. That's uh, DailyMail.com. Definitely check out that article. There's more to it. Just talks a little bit about his family and circumstances of the ass and stuff like that. So, um, what do we think? Is retirement on the horizon for Jeremy Renner? Now, keep this in mind that um, they don't outright say that he's retiring. Like that's one thing that I know that there's gonna be lots of people thinking that oh, like this means that Jeremy Renner's retiring. No, 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 no. That's not what they're saying. They're saying he's saying. That, um, I mean, obviously, you, you suffer a life-threatening situation, near-fatal um, experience. You're gonna, your your priorities are gonna change a little bit. You know, he he's worked his ass off for years and doing, like, you know, Avengers and and um, Hawkeye. He's doing his own series, like, you know, and all, all these other acting jobs. So, he's not saying he's retiring, but he's just kind of saying that, like, maybe insinuating that he might be taking a break and that just, I really, like, he's... As I mentioned before, the man has like a guardian angel, like with a shield over him. Like, like, like the fact that he pulled through after that is truly a miracle. So, <coughs> excuse me. Um, 
So basically, he's just saying that, you know, maybe he he might take some time off. Like that's this is what I'm taking from it. Probably take some time off, uh, be with his family, because just think about how differently this situation could have been. And like like there were so many different ways. Like there, it was just all pure luck that he survived this. Um, so I think you know. It's just one of those reminders that we're all living on borrowed time, and uh, he just wants, you know, all those sayings. They say, like, you know, um, you know, do all the things in life that, you know, oh, oh, I'm worried that's going to make me gain weight. No, just have it. Um, that was, uh, who say that? Uh, Anthony Bourdain. There's a quote on that. Um, I'll have to find that on there somewhere. But, uh, yeah, like, uh, oh, oh, you're worried about this? Don't be. Enjoy it. Like, life's too short. And I think that's where he's at the point now, where he's not saying I'm done, just saying that, Acting is still is still important to me, like it is my job. But I, of course, after what's going on here, he's got a kid, a kid's uh, um, his your priorities change when you nearly die, you know. So you have a whole new per- perspective on life, and I could speak for that, you know. You you lose people in your lives, like uh, you know, like this past uh, uh, Christmas, I lost my grandmother. Uh, you know, your priorities kind of change a little bit. Like, you know, you kind of start thinking like, oh, okay. Like we really don't know when we'll die. You know, like we don't know what, you know, what the future holds for us. You want to just sometimes maybe just take a break and uh, just spend as much time with your family as possible. And um, especially just when something like this, something so traumatic happens, you want to just make sure that your priorities are straight and you're like, you know, you don't want to take life for granted. And I think that, I mean, 52, he's not even the old, like he, he dude, dude doesn't look 52 at all. Like really, he, 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 he looks good for his age. Um, <coughs> but yeah, just his, his priority is no longer in acting. He's still gonna act. Just, um, I take it as, uh, he's gonna maybe, uh, take on less roles and not work as much just to, you know, maybe in a few years it just be like, okay, I feel good. I'm going to just do as much work as much as I was before. But of course he still has a long road to recovery to go. He's learning to walk again. Um, you know, uh, best wishes to him, you know, like, you know, we all love Jeremy Renner and, uh, we're also thankful he's still with us. And, uh, so definitely guys, uh, let me know on, uh, social media I'll put, or on, actually on Spotify as well. I'm going to put up a, a poll. Do you think that Jeremy Renner is retiring? Is he going to, uh, uh, do you think he will retire soon? Uh, I say no, I didn't take that at all that he was going to retire. I know some people are taking it as, yep, he's announcing his retiring. Um, let me know your thoughts. I'll, I'll put it up on Spotify and uh, just see where everyone stands. So. That's it for the show today, guys. Uh, I want to thank my guest, uh, Adam Lorden. And uh, definitely be sure to, to uh, stay tuned for a Brett Out of Water uh, this Saturday on Bell 5 TV. Uh, super excited for that and uh, super excited to see just so, so much amazing stuff going on there now. It feels great. Um, also, guys, uh, next Friday, Death Cost Dearly opens uh, Beaverbrook Kin Center. Uh, tickets $18. They're on sale now. Uh, you can text me 624-3315. Get your tickets now before we sell out. So that's it for the show, guys. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we will see you guys next time. Until then, have a great week. Stay safe. Don't you know? Don't drink and drive. All that good stuff.